Hello, 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 6am run community, family, everyone that listens to our show. You guys know I am Hami. These shows are brought to you by 6amrun.com. Um, always, I probably annoy you guys the way I start every show with my gratitude to you guys. I don't mean to annoy you, but I'm very thankful for our community and the growth of the show outside of our brand. And you guys know we don't talk too much about the company itself, but as you know, 6amrun.com brings you these episodes and we're forever grateful for all of you. So again, thank you so much. I am Hami, CEO, founder of 6amrun.com. I have to say, first of all, I want to get right to our guest, but I also want to say she is very patient. I've had a couple fires I had to put out within the company that made me keep pushing her back, back, back. She never once got rude or upset or anything. So Lynn Bowman, welcome to the 6am Run podcast. I always also say that you are, our guests, I feel like are their best hype men, hype women. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I told you earlier why I asked you to be on the show, but if you wouldn't mind you telling people why I found you and, and was like, oh my God. This woman, this person needs to be on our show. You know, it's kind of hard to know exactly what you were thinking, but I think that part of my story is that I'm 76 years old and I'm still out here moving and lifting weights and doing Pilates. And as I told you, I'm a wannabe runner. I would like to be more of a runner than I am because I've seen the evidence. I've seen the research and it's the way to keep yourself alive. You know, it's a great remedy for so many things. If you are able to still run, it's great therapy for those of us of a senior persuasion, let's say. And I feel fortunate that I've still got joints that work. And, you know, there's nothing better than getting outside. Particularly I do, as I told you, I have a treadmill, but there's nothing more wonderful than actually going out the door and moving. It's the best. You are a California resident, correct? I am. And I was born in Hollywood, California, of all the places to be born. I know. And grew up in Southern California and left in 1971, went to North Carolina to be the worst weather person. I don't have evidence, but I'm pretty sure that no one would contest that title for me. I was the worst weather person, broadcast weather person ever on the uh, NBC affiliate in Wilmington, North Carolina, and ended up staying in North Carolina, had three babies there and had to leave. That's a whole other story with my kids, two, three, and four on a train with what we could carry and came back to California and landed right smack in the middle of Silicon Valley when things were getting hot in Silicon Valley. Nice. And it it actually, it was a lifesaver for me because it allowed me to make a a good living and raise my children as a single parent. I think, you know, it's crazy. And your story will, I want to get into obviously the fitness and how you stayed healthy for so long. and, And we'll get into that. That's obviously why I want to talk to you. And uh, we'll share another thing too, you and I talked about in the pre-call, but let me tell you this. One thing my daughter is now, as she's getting 14, she's hitting the high school years with me. We talked a little bit about me. I'm 42. Everyone knows my story. I don't want to repeat it. But one of the worst things I think to tell my child at 18 years old, let's say, and if she does the natural trajectory of an American child, 
at 18 years old, am I supposed to tell her now you've got to pick what you want to do for the rest of your freaking life? You know, where do I start on that? First of all, life, especially the longer it gets, it's interesting and there are twists and turns. Mm -hmm. And the things that I started out to do, many of them I still love doing and I would like to do again. But what I ended up doing for a living was writing, which mm. was not something that was uppermost in my mind. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be an illustrator. But when I found myself the single mother of three and needing to, I couldn't just have a job. I needed to make enough money to raise three kids, not in poverty, if I possibly could. So the way to do that for me, I, I found myself in the Silicon Valley and I was able to write and I had a background in advertising. My first jobs had ended up being, you know, to your point, in the 60s, Pami, women didn't have careers. Mm -hmm. We got jobs and there were only three or four kinds of jobs that we could get. Right. And there was no, there was no correct me if I'm wrong, there was no movement. Like your job no. was your job, same job yeah. for 20, 30 years. Right. Well, not necessarily, but the point was, if you were female, actually, the way we got jobs was we looked in the newspaper and the help wanted ads. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there were help wanted women and help wanted men ads. No, I remember. I remember. Yeah. And never the two should meet, you know. So my first job was in a downtown advertising agency in Los Angeles, 1966. And I was an illustrator and I painted plates for printing presses. Fashion ads had to be hand painted on the plates. That's how old I am. And then I ended up later on getting a job through a friend working for a legal newspaper. It's like, can you do this? Sure, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And they didn't pay much, but yeah, she's a girl. She didn't want much, right? So right. I ended up the editor of a legal newspaper, writing the front page of a legal newspaper every day, a daily news. I didn't think about, was I qualified? or could, I just said, yes, sure, I'll do that. You know, because we grabbed at anything we could. The, the only thing we were supposed to be doing was you could be a waitress, a nurse, a teacher, a stewardess, mm -hmm. right? And the thing was that if you were a stewardess, you couldn't weigh any more than 125. I was going to say, you had to be a, you had to be a quote unquote fit stewardess. Yes. And very slender. So it was a very different world. And who knew? I mean, we were laughing about this too. Five years ago, who even knew there was such a thing as podcasting? Yeah. It's an industry that is so new. We have no idea where it's going or what's going to happen. And some of us, you and I included, just jumped aboard for various reasons. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with just going, hey, I want to do that. I can do that, yeah. you know, and then we do it. You know, you are 1000% right. And I think that it's a great time. And where I'm getting at too is I want to figure out how to articulate it. When I was single, right, and I was 18 and I said, I'm going to do bit major in business and marketing and advertising, very similar to you. I got a job in marketing and sales and I was helping companies with their marketing and selling some marketing stuff. And I also was doing things. And when I was a single young man, I'm not that I'm not a man anymore, but when I was a single young man, 
making a lot of money doing sales and marketing was great. Once I had two children, it became, well, and I hate to say this, but it became, okay, when I'm gone, are they just going to say my dad did sales and marketing for a living? I mean, I don't know. It became more being a parent and you are fortunate to have three beautiful children. Being a parent also at 18, what do you want to do? And then you go through these big, big life events. Becoming a parent is one of the biggest, right? So it's like, it just changes who you are and changes your outlook. And we talked a little bit in our pre-call. I can't tell my kids, go follow your dream and not do it myself, right? What's that, right? And I think there's so many things that happen there. Let's get into a little bit too. I know you're limited on time, so I have a lot I want to kind of get in a little bit, but health for you, was that like in our pre-call, what I loved and and in, in your bio, health has kind of been a little bit of a North Star, a guiding light in a good way, like regardless of spirituality and things like that, you're a big person who is like, regardless of where they were, health was always, it seems like in, in your, in based on your bio that I read, health has always kept you straight. Is that correct? Well, keeping me straight may be an exaggeration because it was the 60s, homie. And, you know, I did spend some time smoking Marlboros and drinking cheap wine on the beach in Malibu because who wouldn't do that? I mean, in those days, you know, in the 60s. But it was good, by the way. It was fun. Kept you, how about we say, kept you on a path? Let's say that way. But what I will tell you, I think, because doing this podcasting has made me really think about, well, why have I done this? What has made me? such a complete pain in the patootie about this subject for everybody. I mean, I'm a professional nag is essentially what I am. I am buzzkill granny, right? And I think of my method as it's the snarky grandma diet. That's what I'm selling here. But the reason for it is because when I was 18, I lost everything. I lost my family. My mother died. My dog had to be given away. The house was gone. Everything. I mean, I still had a couple of siblings, but they were gone elsewhere. My dad remarried quickly and was gone. So everything that I knew as a home and family left when my mother died. And she died of a chronic disease. And she had been disabled largely from the disease, kidney disease, for a long time. So very clear in my, and in those days, by the way, you didn't talk about it. You didn't get counseling. You didn't have it. It was like, okay, move on, you know, done. And so in my mind, it was always very, very clear. I wanted children. I wanted a home. And I knew that to do that, I needed to stay on my feet. I needed to stay healthy. That the one thing that could make all of it go away was ill health. Mm-hmm. So that was really clear for me. And unfortunately, I realize now at this advanced age that it is not clear to people that the thing that will take all their money and all their fun and all their dreams and hopes is ill health. And the last statistic I saw just this afternoon, more research, 88% of Americans have a chronic disease. And a huge portion of those, if not all of them, are preventable, reversible. So you are opting for disease if you are not making a decision to opt out of disease. It's a decision. Yeah. Wow. It's not your genes. No. It's a decision. So 
simple things that don't really cost you anything, running, moving, dancing, that's part of it. Sleep is a huge part of it that Americans don't understand. Mm -hmm. It's when your body recovers. Yeah. It's the only way you heal is in deep sleep. And the only way you get deep sleep is by working at it, by setting it up, by getting the room dark and cool and putting your electronics away and not watching Jimmy Kimmel or whoever at night and not eating too late. More and more as time goes on, it's kind of funny to hear from someone who's writing a cookbook. It's it's as much what you don't eat and when you don't eat as it is what you do eat. And I practice intermittent fasting for diabetics. It's miraculous. It can really turn your numbers around if you learn how not to eat too often. That just means eating one or two meals a day as opposed to eating all day and all night, which is what Mm -hmm. Americans do. And it's magic. Yeah. And I do. I find the older, so it's it's funny you're, you're mentioning a few things. Let me ask you your thoughts on this. For me, with being, as I get a little older, I've never, I've never, as my, it's funny, my youngest, my six-year-old, she's not a breakfast person either. And she's fine. I was never, cause I, and I know she's okay. Cause I was like this. I don't know why I don't get up and just eat. I don't know why. Maybe I'm crazy. You're ahead of the game. That's what you are. You're totally ahead of the game. I don't know. And then lunch is a little lighter. And then I, cause I do get a little hungry around noon and especially cause I run 6am run. I run in the mornings. I have my coffee, maybe like a smoothie is more like my breakfast. That's more my like breakfast of choice, really something still light. And then lunch again, light. Cause if I do have back when I was in corporate America, if we all went out for a big, big lunch and I didn't want to be the only guy sitting there not eating, but from one, you know, lunch was every day at noon from one to five, I was freaking useless. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want a big lunch because then my afternoon's shot. Five, seven, I like to have a really good, nice meal. I am a dessert person. I want to like a piece of cake after dinner. But then, like I said, I'm good until again, lunchtime the next day. I mean, I have to stop you. No more sugar. You're going to make your sweets out of my book with no sugar. Okay. All right. No, and and definitely get me a copy of that. I am a, I'm not going to lie. I am a candy, sour candy I have vices. I'm not going to lie. And we all do. And I'm a big health person. I promote it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm far from perfect. Well, I can't believe that one, but two, honestly, I have a sweet tooth a mile long. I mean, which is why I wrote the book. I know how to make beautiful sweets with no sugar and it's easy and it's all in the book and you cannot be completely maximally healthy eating sugar. You just can't. No, no. And my wife told me, my wife showed me an article today and I'm, I'm finding it sugar reverses digestion. It's crazy. It like stops digestion of sort. It was, I got to read the article, but the main line that she highlighted and sent me in a text today was how even sugar really messes up just regular digestion. It does so many bad things in your body. And if you only ate it every once in a while, it'd be different, but we are eating the, not me, Mm because I know better. Us, yeah, yeah. But as a country, as a culture, we're eating sugar in every box, every bag, everything that is on our table. Well, you don't even have tables anymore. You're just eating stuff out of a bag. I know what you're doing. You're driving through. It's all full of sugar. All of it is full of sugar and salt and fat. And you're eating this stuff all day long, but it is not full of nutrition. So you just need to reverse this ratio so that you're eating nutrient dense foods 
first, and I highly recommend no sugar at all. By sugar, I don't mean natural sugars. I mean added. There's a difference. No, there's a difference. Yeah. So, and as a diabetic, you can say, well, fine for you, because I knew decades ago that sugar was not going to work for me. And so, you know, I've been eating this way for a long time. But the newer information is this intermittent fasting idea, which is, it's been out. I mean, fasting is not new. I don't mean that. But the science behind what fasting does for diabetics, for other people with issues, disease, and for runners and for people who are interested in in maximum performance, fasting can be really magic because of autophagy. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar. What is that? I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Well, this is your vocabulary lesson for the day, honey. I want you to write it down because it's this phenomenally important process that goes on in your body if you're doing things right. And what it means literally, autophagy, autophagy, it means eating yourself. And what that really is, is your cells using up, they're recycling the crap that's coming from all the dead cells. They're eating it up and using it so that it's not floating around in your body causing trouble. It's the same, it's cleaning. Mm -hmm. And it's a process that would go on every day if you would allow it to. The way that you allow it to go on is you quit eating. You have to leave enough time between meals so that your body can turn on this process because it can only turn it on. It's like a highway. It has to wait till the traffic has died down until they can go out in the road and do the sweeping and so on. Yeah. What is it? Keeps us down at 11 o'clock at night. It's never going to happen. It needs something like 18 hours, 16 to 18 hours. Yeah. And then you, what you have to do is also have to look, there's um, the more I, I'm reading and, and learning or things that I see online, breath, right? Breath. You can go maybe a few minutes with no breath, right? Water. You can maybe go a few days with no water. Food, you can go, of all of them, is a little bit of the longest, right? So your body has that, a little bit of that in there where it can at least be okay. Well, not only can you, but you must. Right. And when you think about, remember all the talk about paleo and keto, paleo, what did our ancestors, think about it. Were your ancestors eating three meals, four meals a day? Were they eating small snacks? No, they were hungry and cold most of the time. They were not eating regularly. They ate when they could. And a lot of what they ate was foraged. It was the lady, it wasn't the guys going after the mastodon. It was the women foraging for herbs and greens in the forest, right? And mushrooms and so on. This is what the diet was. And every once in a while, there would be some fish or some meat, some grass-fed woolly mammoth (laughs) or something. When you look at, and I, I don't want, I never wanted to be, you know, the guy that says, you know, I, I walk to school in five miles of snow. I always joke. I never want to be that guy. But if, even if you look at it, like for me, my joke with my wife and our kids, this generation snacks, like we didn't have snacks. We were out, literally the sun would come up. I'm just talking summertime when you didn't have school, sun would come up. I'd get on my bike. We'd go to the Creek. We'd yeah. go to someone's house, play in their backyard. Trees. And then streetlights came on. You had to come home. Maybe right. I'm not gonna lie. We come home for lunch. 
But we forgot, we didn't have time for snacks. I mean, maybe when the ice cream truck came around, like, you know, that was your snack. Like these kids today, my daughter probably four times a day wants a snack, a snack. I'm like, what the hell is a snack? You don't need a snack. You're fine. Go. Like, you know what I mean? And our culture has encouraged that because big food, there's money in it, right? Right. We've been sold a bill of goods. You know, the commercials that come on. Let me correct my, if my daughters, I I want just because in case I I know sometimes people not take things too seriously. Guys, if my kids come to me and say they are hungry, they will 1000% get fed. Snacks is a little, that's a little different. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going, Lynn. Well, it's just, we have all been victimized by the, you know, two, three, four generations now of milk does a body good. And, you know, the Kellogg's, the cornflakes, the Wheaties, the breakfast of champions, all this big food, mm-hmm. they are selling extremely cheap food in a lot of packaging and their value added is in the packaging, not the food. And it's all the pictures and so on on the package. And we have, at this point, we think that's food. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not food. No, 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 no. No. It's funny. Listen, I grew up, I'm a cereal person. I, I'll say, it's funny. I'll say this. But for me, what I do now, though, is like cereal is not, and I, I told you, I'm not a breakfast person. Cereal, and I, I, I want to read your book and I want to learn more. But now I told my wife, that's a, in a way, that's not a meal. Maybe, if anything, you want to classify cereal can be a dessert, right? Like it's sugar. This idea that cereal is, let's say, quote unquote, breakfast, I'm with you. I don't buy that. No, no. But also, there's nothing really holy about breakfast. If you don't want breakfast, don't have breakfast. Mm -hmm. You know, the best way of thinking about it today, according to the folks that I think have the best science behind them, is time-restricted eating. So you're eating in a six or eight-hour window. Mm -hmm. So whether that's from, in my case, I like to eat in the morning, but so I would eat at nine and then I would eat six hours later and that would be the end of it for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm always done eating early afternoon, no matter what's going on. I try never to eat at night. And socially that can be awkward. You know, and so I once in a while will go outside the limits. But as a habit, you don't want to be eating at night. No. I, I'm with you. You just don't. We are, and 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 I, I want to make sure, like I said, Lynn, and we we talked about this. We'll definitely get you on a second half here. But as we come to the kind of the final few minutes here of, of the convo, your book is titled, and where can people find it? Let's make sure we start giving people some of the information as we only have, I think, three or four minutes here. Yes. Brownies for breakfast. And we'll put that, it's behind you right now, and we'll put this up. But go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it's a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. Okay. And of course, everybody, every diabetic has people who love them, and that it's the whole world. So, and because I want everybody eating together, I don't want grandma eating one thing and junior eating something else and diabetic uncle Frank eating something else. You can all eat the same food and benefit from it. It's all the same prescription. So that's the book brownies for breakfast. It's not all sweets, but it does lead with sweets because I think there should be dessert at every meal. I mean, why not? Yeah. And it's all simple. And my website, you can find all the information lynnbowman.com to spell it l-y-n-n-e-b-o-w-m-a-n.com sign up on my list if you want me to send you stuff you know sugar-free ideas and recipes happy to hear from you there's a contact thing form on my website that you can send me a note asking questions i really enjoy hearing from people and getting pictures of 
what they make from my recipes. That makes me happy. So That's Brownies awesome. Breakfast is the book. And please, let's do more of this, Hami. It's fun. And I want to be in here representing old chicks. Lastly, you mentioned the book, and we're going to go on the website. And then the book, through the website, are all the links where people can get the digital copy and all the different copies. Is that all on your website? I mean, you can get the book on Amazon, okay. or you can get it from your local independent bookseller. You just have to ask for it because their wholesaler has it. Okay. So, and I appreciate it if you would ask for it and insist okay. tell them that it's just blowing up. It's fantastic. And they need to order it for them and they will do that, but it is all over Amazon too. So, um, and you can get it, download it or whatever. Yeah. I'm putting right now in the bio for me, I'm putting in the notes here. So lynnbowman.com that's L Y N N E B O W M A N.com guys. And we're going to put that in the bio of this profile. Lynn, like I said, you won me over just in general with your niceness. And, you know, I always say to people, I love nice people. You were patient with me. And right there, I knew what I was going to get with this podcast. I don't like that we had to cut it a little bit short, but I wanted to get this episode up and out for at least part one. And I'm going to message you and we're going to talk maybe a little offline and get you on the part two here. And Lynn, keep doing what you're doing. It's uber important. I want to say this on air, not behind the scenes. And um, I'm very happy for you and I'm wishing you all the best. Same to you, honey. We're on the same mission, you and I. So we will talk again. I, I'm sorry I got to go quickly, but we'll hopefully get together for more of this. Loved it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Everyone, goodbye. Thank you, guys. <laughs>